0: When my brother and I were really young, back in the 60s, big time wrestling was on TV all the time. And it was my brother's favorite sport. And there was this guy named Killer Kowalski who was his favorite. So these guys would come into the ring and some of them would climb up on the ropes and then they would jump down onto the chest of one of the other wrestlers. They would pull little pieces of metal out of their shots, and they would gouge out each other's eyes. And, uh, but in spite of all of that, nobody ever seemed to stay hurt. And my brother thought all of this was real. I was four years younger and I had my doubts about this, but everybody seemed to be so excited about this that who knew at the time. One day, many years later, my brother was working at the Lowell Auditorium and he was doing some setup work there. And he was setting up for one of these big time wrestling events. And as he was setting up chairs and stuff like that, the, the wrestlers were there choreographing the fights. And so my brother, when he saw that, he, he came home and he called me and, and he said, Do you, did you know that they did this? And I thought, you're the only person on earth that <laughs> doesn't know this. I mean, how, how could you think that that was real? and um, he was really let down by all of this. He felt like, you know, his heroes were no longer heroes. And so I was thinking, what does it mean to be a champ? For some of us, Tom Brady would be a champ, for those of you that like football. For some others, it might be some of the baseball heroes or the marathon winners or the winners of the Tour de France but at times we find out that many of our heroes have taken shortcuts to win. They try to do things that put the odds in their favor. Uh, Some might have taken steroids, some, as you've heard, might have let air out of balls. And as far as the Tour de France, they discovered that some guys actually found a way of putting micro motors in the bicycles, and they discovered this by uh, one person fell off their bike, and for some reason, the bike just kept on going, and around in circles. And you know, and when they saw this, they thought this. Something's wrong with this, and they realized that these people were cheating. And so my brother doesn't look at these wrestlers as champs anymore, and how, how do you feel when you find out that the people that you looked up to had cheated along the way? What should be the punishment for cheating, for being a cheater? for cheating at a game or cheating in life. In life, most of us want to look better than what we really are. We would all like to be champs. We all want to be smarter, richer, more beautiful, stronger looking than what we really are. And as Christians, what's the thing that we want? We want other people to think that we're really good people. Am I right? We'd like to look like we have it all together, but the problem is we really don't. Each of us are sinners, we're all broken, and as I like to say, we're all despicable. Some have problems with that, but I believe that to be true. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In reality, there's only one champion, and that's Jesus. But as Pastor Jonathan preached a couple weeks ago, some people's sins are obvious and other people's sins are hidden. And so if I can't see your sins here, I know they're not obvious. They're probably hidden. Today we're going to look at the way that Jesus dealt with our sin and we're going to talk about how in return we can learn to deal with other people as we find them in sin, and how we can learn from His example to forgive other people of their sins. We'll learn how our acts of forgiveness actually create paths for people that don't know Jesus to come to Him. And so let's pray before we begin. Father, as we come to you tonight, we would ask that you would open up our hearts and our minds to you. We pray that you would speak to us and that you would show us how to forgive those who we have learned not to forgive, that you would give us love for those that we have chosen not to love. God, help us to become the people who forgive in the same way that you have forgiven us. Amen. So the scripture was read, and in the first verse of the scripture, we see that this Pharisee invited Jesus to come into his home. And at this time, the Pharisees were not very popular. In fact, most of the commentaries teach that this Pharisee was actually doing this to find some fault with Jesus, that he wasn't sincere. He was just looking for something to get on Jesus, and he invited him in his home. But I'd like to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. I'd like to think that he had an open mind and that he wanted to learn more about Jesus. Today, when we think of Pharisees, we think mostly bad stuff about them because we read about how they treated Jesus. And a lot of times, Jesus was in conflict with these Pharisees. But in many ways, these were good people who kind of lost their way. These were the people who were trying hard to honor God. These were the people who tried to keep God's law, and they were very strict about it, but somehow they just lost their way. And I find it ironic that this section of Scripture that teaches about forgiveness that the commentaries actually don't have any forgiveness for these Pharisees, that they actually are kind of hot on the Pharisees. Who knows? Well, whenever you invite Jesus in, as this Pharisee did, you can expect that things are not going to go anything like you've expected them to go. For those of you that have just recently become Christians, I would say to you, put on your seatbelts. You're in for a bumpy ride. Life is not going to be smooth. I remember when I first became a believer. It was not this clear sailing as I would have expected. A lot of things happened. A lot of things that helped me grow in my faith. But if but Nothing was like I was expecting. It was a bumpy ride. This man may have expected to just invite Jesus into his home just to sit there and talk to him. But right off the bat, he finds things uncomfortable. It's not what he expected. There is this sinful woman and she's sitting at Jesus' feet and she's pouring perfume on his feet. And not only that, but she's crying, and she's creating a scene. The Pharisee thinks that Jesus has no clue who this woman is. He thinks if he knows who this woman is, he wouldn't be be allowing her to sit at his feet and to do this. The Pharisee knows that this woman is not much good in fact the greek word for this woman the sinful woman implies that she is a married woman who sleeps around and at that time that wasn't really that acceptable today it's not acceptable somewhat right is there anybody here like this woman Nobody. Well, my hope is that by the time I finish this sermon you'll realize that maybe you are. Maybe you are. If anybody did raise their hand, I was gonna have them stand up and I thought we could give them, you know, an applaud because this is the woman, the woman in this story, this is the this is the feature woman, this is the, the good one. She's the one that is the star. And so anyway, <clears throat> Jesus knows what, what, this, what Simon is thinking. And he, and he says, Simon, I have something to tell you. And at this, the Pharisee seems to be open. And, he's, and he seems to have a soft heart. And he seems to be able to, ready to receive and to learn. And so in verses 40 to 48 Jesus exposes Simon's error and according to one commentary he proves he proves that he knows this woman her past her history and her current condition he knows all about her he even knows that Simon has been saying this to himself he knew what Simon was thinking He is, accordingly, a prophet and, in fact, a discerner of hearts and minds. Jesus is showing this Pharisee that he knows exactly everything that's going on and that he's nothing less than the divine Savior, clothed with authority to forgive sin. This is the Jesus that this man doesn't believe knows what's going on. When people are open and ready to learn from God, God will speak to them. So Jesus tells how two men owed a debt. One of them owed a small debt, and one of them a large debt. He says that when their debts were forgiven, he asked, which one of these who was forgiven would love more? And the Pharisees says back, I, it, it must be the person who's been forgiven a lot that would love more. So Jesus told this Pharisee that he, he was correct. And he tries to show the Pharisee how the woman who knew how great her sin was showed her love for him. I believe that Simon had to have an open mind to be able to understand this, and I don't know whether he got it or not. And I believe that we too have to have an open mind about this to understand it. Can only understand this section of Scripture if you have an open mind. And the question is, how big was the debt that Jesus canceled for you? That's what you have to look at, and that's the question you have to ask yourself. How big was it? Was it just small? Or was it something really big? This sermon isn't like most sermons on forgiveness. Most sermons on forgiveness are teach us how to forgive people who have personally offended us. But this, these verses teach us to forgive types of people that we generally don't like. These verses teach us to forgive bad people, people that we would consider to be bad, people who have taken shortcuts to win, people who don't even try to live by the rules, people who are the worst in our eyes. For this Pharisee, this sinful woman, wasn't worth forgiving. She wasn't worth anything. She was despicable. Why would you want to reach out to her, Jesus? She may have purposely broken all the rules. The Pharisee seemed to know her well. She may have not even cared about what God wanted most of her life. She may have just gone on her own way. Might have been one of those people that when she was growing up, you know how it is. You have kids, you tell them how to do stuff and tell them the right way, and they're not going to have anything, any part of it. This woman might have left home at 14 years old and started her life out on the streets. Who knows? But in spite of all of this, she knew who she was. And Jesus knew who she was. And Jesus offered this woman forgiveness. She knew that Jesus was offering her forgiveness. She understood the grace of God. And it caused her to love. She didn't just love a little, did she? She loved a lot. She didn't just care about the fact that she was in, or she didn't care about the fact that she was in a Pharisee's home, a place where you might have to act really proper. She didn't care about any of that. All she could see was Jesus, and she fell at his feet. She made a scene there in front of everybody. It wasn't comfortable for most people. She created conflict, basically. And I hope you can see the conflict here. Because it's kind of what this is about. There's a conflict going on between Jesus, the Pharisee, and this woman. There's all kinds of life going on. And how, do, how is this resolved? Well, I believe that the tears were probably twofold. She had tears for sorrow for her past sins. I believe she was repentant of her sins. Probably didn't like who she was in any way. Probably hated herself. A lot of people do. A lot of people that hate themselves out there. And the other tears might have been for her new state, feeling that release of all the bondage and the condemnation, right there at the feet of Jesus knowing that he's the savior and that he was willing to save her tears of joy so mixture of of tears she's now a sinner saved by grace she once was lost but now she's sitting right at the feet of Jesus what an exciting place to be for somebody who was a sinner in some ways We're all like this Pharisee. We all think that we're good enough or that we're better than others. We all have some groups of people that we don't think deserve God's love or groups of people that we just don't like. People who don't even seem to care about God. People who break all the rules that we follow all the time people who come out as winners by cheating when we follow the rules and a lot of times we lose but Jesus in this section of scripture tries to teach us to reach out in love and forgiveness well just to give you some personal illustrations when I was four years old I had a little accident at the swimming hole. We used to sw- swim in a creek, you know, it's it's back in the early 50s, and um, <laughs> there were more leeches in that creek than there were people, and I remember that clearly. But this creek, kind of like picture a road here, and in the water down there, and it was like a bridge, and the water went under the bridge to the swimming hole. And on the side of the road, there was a big piece of cement. And what had happened one day is somebody had hit that, and that big piece of cement fell in the water. And so as a child of about four years old, I was in the water, and I was walking. I didn't realize I was walking on that piece of cement and I kept walking until I got to the end. And when I got to the end, I, I walked right off the edge of that piece of cement and went under the water. Well, in my area of town, there was one man that no one wanted anything to do with. He, he played in a band in nightclubs and he drank. He, he was clearly no good. I mean, every, that's what everybody said. he was clearly no good. And, uh, but he was the first person when I went under the water that jumped in and pulled me out. And I learned something from that. I learned to have some kind of a respect for him. And I saw the way that my family treated him after that day. You know, it was different. Something had changed. And, and at a young age of four years old, I wasn't able to fully put that all in my head. But I learned something from it. And then when I was eight years old, I told you the last time, my parents separated and we moved to Lowell from a little farm in it and the creek and everything, moved into a 12-family apartment building. And... Money was really hard to come by at that time. We had nothing. And at eight years old, I, I, um, I was determined that somehow it was, it was my responsibility to make enough money for myself, to at least support myself. And so there was a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure and a lot of just stress. Well, there was this woman who lived... Downstairs from us and she was like this woman in the text but before she would go out at night I remember she would come upstairs and she did this many times she would come upstairs and knock on the door and she would ask my mother if she could give me a quarter to pray for her before she went out and you know there was something about that. There I was, a person that was in need of money so bad. And at that time, a quarter was three bucks today, right? And so I was in need of money. And this woman, who clearly, my mother didn't want anything to do with this woman, but for some reason she just allowed her to come and give me the money, and I would pray for her. And I don't know exactly what to say about that, but, but I learned something from that too. I learned something about people that there was, you could have some respect for the people that everybody else seemed to discard. I learned how to love sinners and how to make paths for them to come to Jesus. Jesus. And I learned that through my life. So what are the people groups that you can't forgive? Are they so political groups? I mean, do you hate some of the, you know, you love one party, hate the other? You know, lawyers, drug drug addicts. How do you feel about the drug addicts that break into your home to get money for drugs? Um, How do you feel about, like, socialists people are, um some people hate, the, I mean, you know, some people hate the rich, some people hate the poor, right? Y- you know, I mean, the rich, the poor people, the rich people claim that they support the poor people, and the poor people claim that the rich oppress them, you know? Uh, do you hate different religious groups? You, you know, how do you feel about those people who, who walk in pairs, uh, religious people that want to talk to you all the time people like in ISIS or, or how, so we get a little more touchy how do, you, how do you feel about the people who strongly support women's rights and abortion how do you feel about those people um, how, about, how do you feel about the sexually perverted who are the people that are at the feet of Jesus crying that you don't have a heart of forgiveness for. So who are the people that Jesus is willing to forgive that you're not? What, what, what did I miss? What did I miss? Tell me, what did I miss of the people? Who are the people you, you just can't stand, you hate, can't stand them? Come on, you, you can tell me. You guys know, like what, teachers? <laughs> the, the guys that get all the girls. I mean, right? <laughs> who are they? Come on, tell me. I don't know. Who are the people? Who are the people that bother you? What what peoples? Preachers. Preachers there you go. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> they only work an hour a week, and look at how much money they make. Right? <laughs> And the thing we have to ask ourselves is, did, did Jesus die just for, just for you? Or did he die for everybody? I found it interesting in my studies a few weeks ago, this verse. This is a really cool verse. I'll read it to you. Second, 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. It says, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything really to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. And listen to this. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. One of Satan's schemes is to keep us from forgiving people. To give us that heart of unforgiveness. That's one of his schemes. And so every time someone cuts out in front of you and you, you become angry and you, you can't let it go, or every time something happens where somebody's cheated at work and got the promotion and you remain angry, you have to understand that Satan has outwitted you if you can't forgive. One of Satan's schemes is to cause us to see others people's sins and not our own. He knows that if we create a path of love and forgiveness people will come to Jesus. I want to repeat that. Satan knows that if we create a path of love and forgiveness people will come to Jesus. He knows that. That's the last thing he wants. And so In a church, he tries to create, even in a church, he tries to create conflict amongst the believers so we don't work well together. He wants us to hate somebody. Each time that we practice unforgiveness, Satan has outwitted us. So in verses 44 to 47, Jesus shows the fruit of this woman's faith. This woman did all the right things. Her faith was alive. Versus this Pharisee really did nothing. So I think I'm going to read the verses 44 to 47. Um, you may have to, I'm pretty sure that, yeah. The wind kind of, here the fans t- turn the pages on me. That's never good. <laughs> So verses 44 to 47. Then Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. And then in verse 50, Jesus turned to the woman and said, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So the saddest thing is that the drunks and the prostitutes are coming into the kingdom of God ahead of the good people. And it's not sad that they're coming in. It's sad that a lot of good people just aren't. A lot of the good people just don't realize how much they've been forgiven and they don't do these things that Jesus said that these women did. It's people like this sinful woman, this woman, someday will hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. And a lot of good people may not hear that at all. The people who cheat and need, see their need for forgiveness so well. Those are the ones that oftentimes will find Jesus. And the people who think they're good won't. Who do you identify today? Uh, yeah. mm. Who do you identify with today? Which one of these people are you? Are you the Pharisee, the good person? Are you the sinful woman? And I get people to raise their hand. You, you, you folks are afraid. I can tell. Um, you know, <laughs> is your sin obvious, or is it hidden? Uh, that's the question. Have you ever made a scene? Have you ever made a scene like this in front of Jesus? Have you ever come to the feet of Jesus? Are you too good to come to Jesus and make a scene? For the forgiveness of your sins. Do you see yourself as someone that's better than others? Better than some of these other people? Someone who won't come to the feet of Jesus? So my wish for you is that you could see your sin the way that God sees your sin. God sees your sin as despicable before him because he's perfect someone said one time if if God's righteousness were that wall over there and total um so let's see, if if you, total righteousness in God were that wall and that wall over there was sin some people who were really good would operate only about an inch from the wall. The people that were bad would operate a half inch from the wall. Not much difference in the good people from the bad people. Make this illustration a little broader and put these walls a million miles apart. How much could you brag if you're... So I've been off the wall, I know that. But, uh, <laughs> How much can you brag if you're a quarter of an inch off the wall more than someone else? Should you feel really proud of yourself? You're still a sinner. So let me say this. If some sinful person were to come into this church and they were to find Jesus, more than likely they'd make a scene. And that should be expected. What would you do? What would you do if you saw when Pastor Jonathan's up here preaching someday, some lady just come in and just like start weeping at his feet, saying how excited she was that she came to Jesus. What would you do? It'd be really cool. If you are a believer, one who has come to the feet of Jesus, what paths do you create for other people to come are you like the Pharisees who can't see what Jesus saw is your standard so high that you can't believe that Jesus could forgive these people the people that you don't like in the game of life we all cheat, we all fought, fall short of glory, the glory of God and we all need to learn to forgive everyone for everything, Jesus came to seek and to save the sins of the world. And the early church was made up of sinners. There were people who knew that they needed Jesus, as Pastor Jonathan spoke about earlier at Pentecost. The very people who had just crucified Jesus, when Peter got up to speak, said, What must we do to be saved? these very people that just killed Jesus and he said repent and believe and you'll be saved. Those were the people that started the early church. Paul, Paul who had been out murdering the Christians. Then he becomes one of the leaders in the church. Any murderers here at all? None of you admit stuff. I know there's got to be a couple of you out there do you, do you ever kill anybody not yet? not yet okay good it's not a good thing to do, but if you did it, just admit it. you know what i 'm saying think about it. you think about it okay good, good <laughs> but that's what the early church was made up of, and somehow over the years and it's kind of good that these People that were really, really the worst came into the church and cleaned themselves up and became good people. But now, somehow, a lot of times the church becomes filled with good people and sinners don't feel comfortable here. What about this woman? Would she feel comfortable in your house? Would she feel comfortable in this church? Would you make her feel comfortable? Those are the questions you have to ask. Those are tough questions you have to ask yourself. I've got more added notes on my notes than what printed out. But Matthew 5, 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Showing mercy involves us forgiving others of their sins as an expression of the gratitude to God that we have for his grace in forgiving us. So, somewhat in this this story, when this woman realized how sinful she was, she showed her gratitude to Jesus By all the things that she did. For us. The way that we show gratitude. For him forgiving us of all of our sins. Is worship him. But part of our worship. To him. Is forgiving. Others. And allowing them too. To come to him. May God bless you.